Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with the professor, John Clayton. Welcome to School with the Professor, and I think one of the most baffling stories in the NFL is what's happened to the Atlanta Falcons. So we've got to go in-depth and figure it out. The Seahawks play the Atlanta Falcons this week, and joining us is Daryl Ledbetter on School with the Professor uh, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And, D, I guess the question right now to start off with is just be bold about it. Is Dan Quinn coaching for his job this week? Uh, yes, I think that's the popular consensus here in Atlanta, although we're hearing some uh, pump-the-brakes talk. I, I wrote about that, and some of the other people have uh, you know, said that, hey, it may not be Dan's fault that this team is this bad. Uh, but he was hired to, to put in the uh, Seattle defense. He was uh, given authority to pick the players. He picked these guys, uh, Vic Beasley and uh, uh, Tack McKinley as his pass rushers, and uh, the defense just hasn't worked. He fired two coordinators. He took it over himself and uh, still hasn't been able to get any results on that side of the ball. And I guess that's the one thing that uh, makes it difficult if there is going to be a coaching change because with him being the play caller, I know they can maybe go to Bob Sutton and have him be the defensive coordinator or reach outside You know, because as the head coach and the defensive coordinator, I mean, you're almost replacing two guys with one. <laughs> Yeah, no question about it. Bob Sutton has worked hand-in-hand with him as his kind of game manager. Uh, he's passed, started to pass off some of those responsibilities to uh, Sutton, Jerome Henderson, the defensive passing game coordinator, and the linebackers coach, Jeff Ulbricht, uh, you know, probably foreshadowing what may uh, happen if, uh, you know, they go to one and seven. But uh, that's certainly a problem of, uh, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, the the orchestration of if there's an in-season termination, uh, how best to move forward on that side of the ball. Yeah, and that's the thing I think that, uh, so it, and it, it appears that has Dan kind of got away a little bit from the defense he had here in Seattle? Because I don't know if there's a little bit more zone. Uh, I know that they mixed in some 3-4 elements in there. I mean, it just seems like it's a little bit, I know it's a terrible defense right now, but it's a different defense. Yeah, no question about it, John. They uh, they got freaked out when they saw the schedule and they saw they were playing eight games against RPO mobile-type quarterbacks. So they started uh, uh, tinkering with the 4-3, putting in a, uh, a, a five-man bare front, uh, running basically a 5-2-4 uh, to help them account for the quarterbacks in the RPOs. And that didn't work, Deshaun. Uh, Watson cut him up, Kyler Murray cut him up, even Marcus Mariota came in and looked good against him. So that whole plan just didn't work, and now they're trying to move away from it and uh, get back to the fundamentals of the 4-3 and uh, uh, trying to attack out of the cover three zones again. Yeah, so they're actually going back to the original way then with the cover three, cover one, and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, we saw a little bit of that against the Rams and uh, a little bit against Arizona late. Uh, and then they, they actually have, because the pass rush is so bad, they started to blitz more. They had 17 called against the Cardinals, and uh, I didn't count the number against the Rams, but it looked like around 10 in my film review. So uh, they're they're trying everything they can now to, to uh, try to generate some kind of defense, a pass rush, maybe get a turnover or two. That, that'll help them out a long way. 
Well, that's the thing I guess that's so so different about it is that uh, you know here it is. I mean, I know Vic Beasley's probably in his last few days or whatever. I know he's in the last year with the Falcons, and Tack McKinley was a first round pick, and then you know Grady Jarrett ends up getting the big contract. But what is it? They only have like five sacks this season, and like none in the last month. No, that is correct. It's been 318 18 defensive snaps without a sack. Got one at 9.50 in the third quarter against the Colts, and ever since then they've just been chasing guys around. And uh, some game, one game, uh, forget which, they didn't even get a hit. I think that was uh, Kyler Murray. So they've had two games where they didn't even get a hit on the quarterback. Uh, so it, it's been a, a total, absolute, abject failure in rushing the passer, and that's kind of – Way on Coach Dan, given his uh, expertise in that area. Well, I know out here in Seattle, they've had similar problems, not as bad as the Falcons, against RPO quarterbacks because they faced four of them in the first half of their season and, uh, you know, struggled. They gave up yards to Andy Dalton, 418 yards passing, and, you know, Baker Mayfield put up some points and had three touchdown drives at the beginning uh, of the first quarter against them, and you know they were able to come back and win, and you know they ended up uh, you know losing the battle to uh, Lamar Jackson, and so they've had the difficulties too. It may, maybe is it is there something with the cover one, cover three type of scheme that makes it difficult to go against the RPO quarterbacks? Yeah, you you, uh, you kind of you don't account for them on on the edge unless you decide to shadow him or spy him with a linebacker. And even then, it's too much traffic to get through. Uh, I know uh, Coach Smith and them, when they would play Russell Wilson and other mobile quarterbacks, they would put a spy, uh, Sean Weatherspoon, on them to kind of make them stay up in the pocket or think about it. But that's on dropback stuff. Now we got design runs and so forth. Uh, you know, these pro defenses aren't um, equipped yet or haven't adjusted to that yet. Uh, you know, with either a linebacker or that hybrid linebacker safety that they drop in the box, you know, then the the, the, the offense will just go to the other side on that. And so then you still have an edge that you're giving up. They haven't figured out how to contain both of the edges in these style of, style of uh, offenses. Yeah, I mean, from Seattle's standpoint, I know that uh, what they're looking forward to, because I even talked to Jadevian Clowney about that after the game Sunday, is that I think seven of their last nine games are against pocket-passing quarterbacks, starting with Matt Ryan, a pocket-passing quarterback who's playing most likely with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be a statue if he does play. Uh, you know, that's also his plant foot, so then, you know, he's not throwing much velocity off of that. Uh, so, yeah, it could be a, uh, a a good pass rush situation for Seattle. What what expectations did you have about the Falcons coming into the season? Because I know that, uh, you know, with the, they expected, particularly with Dirk Cutter getting together with Matt Ryan, that uh, offensively would be a great year. Uh, they felt that I'm sure that the defense was able to do some good things with the three key guys coming back from injuries. Uh, did you think they were going to be a playoff team? I, I questioned it because I thought there was, you know, maybe some better teams, but I thought this was going to be a good team. Yeah, I did too, John. I thought they would be better than last year uh, just because all the defenders would come back and they did a, a lot on the offensive line, you know, whether it was any good or not, they, they did a lot. And I thought, you know, the schedule was tougher, uh, so they might, you know, struggle a little bit early and then maybe come on late. But it appears that the bottom's falling out early and they won't have a chance to rally 
uh, after the bye when they get into their NFC South games. Uh, haven't played a, a division game yet, and they're kind of already out of the race before they even get to uh, the Saints in the first game after the bye. So, uh, yeah, I thought it could be a good team that if it jailed late, maybe they could make a run. But now it's looking like uh, a team that's just going to be trying to put together uh, a game to try to get a win here and there the rest of the way. And I guess the fact that they made the Mohamed Sanu trade to uh, New England is the first sign, I guess, that uh, they're definitely going to be sellers here and very well could move Vic Vic Beasley uh, before Tuesday. Yeah, um, yeah, they got Vic Beasley, a couple other things. They're going to try to keep Hooper. Uh, Devondre Campbell's another interesting player who's fourth in the league in tackles uh, that, you know, they probably can't sign after they re-signed all these other guys. So, uh, you know, they got a, a replacement for him on board already, too, and Foyer Ulukan. So they're definitely sellers here at the trading deadline, unexpectedly traders, sellers, but sellers nonetheless. Uh, as they try to move forward and figure out what happened to this team, you know, just uh, two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance with a young defense full of first and second year guys. And now they don't seem to know which way is up for this franchise. Yeah, I know Arthur Blank has been very supportive of Dan Quinn, but uh, I also know how he strives to have a winning team. How's he handled all this? Uh, It's been tough on the owner. I looked at him uh, after the game. Uh, on, on Sunday against the Rams, and he was clearly visibly distraught. Uh, you know, he's uh, been caught off guard with, by this, too. He's done everything his football people asked him to do, uh, got the players they wanted, uh, paid high uh, bonuses for, uh, you know, returning players and free agents. Uh, you know, James Carpenter, Jamin Brown, uh, went out and got those guys, uh, uh, drafted two linemen in the first round, uh, uh, didn't uh, ignore the defense a little bit there, but uh, they felt that was the way to go. And he's given his football people everything they wanted to put a winner out on the field. And he's uh, certainly disappointed that that hasn't come to fruition for the franchise this year. Take us through what happened with the offensive line, because here it is, they put uh, two contracts worth a total of $11.5 million a year into James Carpenter and Jamin Brown, and then they come back and they maneuver around to get uh, two first-round offensive linemen, and yet the offensive line hasn't been any good. Yeah, and they, they also brought back Ty Sambrello, former second-round pick from Denver, uh, you know, so... Uh, what happened, John, James Carpenter won the left guard spot. The uh, right guard spot was uh, went to Chris Lindstrom, the 14th overall pick. Then Caleb McGarry was uh, taken late in the first round. He comes in, has a, uh, a reoccurrence of his heart situation that he had uh, in uh, Washington and, uh, you know, misses the entire exhibition season. But he comes back, they get him ready to play. He starts. Um, you know, he looked pretty good so far against the run, but, you know, the book on him was elite speed. Rushers would give him trouble, and we saw some of that against the Rams. But they're happy overall with his play. Uh, when Lindstrom went down, Jamin Brown went in there, a uh, bigger guy. But, you know, this is his third team. If he was any good, he would stay with the Rams or the Giants. So he struggled at times. And uh, Carpenter's playing through a knee. So when he comes out, Wes Weiser who they've been trying to replace through all of this, ends up in the game, and he's one-on-one with Aaron Donald, and uh, that doesn't end well for Matt Ryan, who now has a high right ankle sprain. 
given that, um, Jake Matthews hasn't played at a, an elite level at left tackle, and, uh, and Alex Max, the center, has a right elbow problem. He's out there with one arm. So uh, it's just been a bad uh, injury spell for him. And uh, the year they did go to the Super Bowl, they didn't have any injuries on the line, and they went right through the whole season with 17 guys, uh, 17 games, um, you know, 18 plus the playoff. And uh, Matt got hurt and played in the Super Bowl and broke his foot. But other than that, they had the same starting lineup the whole time. So the line's just been a mess and uh, uh, doesn't seem to be a situation that's going to get better. Yeah, that's that's really amazing, and uh, I'm sure there's got to be a price because what is it? They've got about like 80 million bucks or something like that in the offensive line. Yeah, that just on the ones they picked up this offseason, that's going from top to bottom, uh, from uh, Lindstrom and, and McGarry receiving a lot of guaranteed money to Brown, Carpenter, Sambrillo, and then I counted John Wetzel and a couple other uh, guys in there that they you know. Uh, uh, brought in to basically run out eight of the ten linemen to put in eight new ones, and uh, just hasn't worked out for him. What's the uh, story so far on Devontae Freeman? How's he fit into the offense? Although he made a bad decision trying to get into a battle with Aaron Donald, that may not have been the smartest thing. In the world. Oh, oh yeah, that was a bad decision, a bad life decision there for uh, Devontae. But uh, I, you know, early on, John, he looked rusty, uh, which was understandable because he. Um, you know, only played two games last year with the sports hernia, groin, and knee injuries. So, you know, early on he was missing reads and hitting the wrong holes and so forth. But I figured, you know, that was because he's rusty. Uh, he did come back and have a decent game in Arizona, but he doesn't seem to have, seem to have the afterburners that he had back in uh, 15 and 16 when he was running to the Pro Bowl. You know, when he gets uh, uh, to the uh, edge on the outside zone runs, he was gone for 20, 25 yards. Those runs are now down to eight and uh, six, seven, eight yards. We haven't seen him break a lot of them. Uh, he busted a screen out for 24, but that was about it. You don't see the explosiveness that he showed earlier in, in his career. Hmm. Interesting. Let's get back to Matt Ryan a little bit because I guess this is going to be an interesting decision because he's got a high ankle sprain, and I've seen uh, Russell Wilson play through a high ankle sprain and an MCL sprain all in a three-week period and played the entire season, didn't miss a game. But it's got to be a little bit different. So I guess that uh, you know, as we talk about Ryan, I mean, is he really going to gamble on this and the team gamble with them playing when there's a, a bye week coming up after this? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, John. And uh, the doctors uh, we talked to pointed to Pat Mahomes playing with the high ankle sprain earlier this year. But Pat is uh, 24. Matt's 34. Um, they're going to do it. They're desperate. And he's if he can get out there, they're going to probably roll him out there uh, and, and try to play. But it doesn't make any sense at all, uh, even though they do get the two weeks to rest and so forth. But uh, I'm, I'm – fully expecting them on Friday to say he's going to try to play. Hmm. Uh, how long he lasts, we, we may not know, but uh, he's a gamer, John. He's played 163 straight games, came back early for my uh, turf toe in 09 when they didn't have they were already eliminated from the playoffs. He came back and played three games down the stretch, uh, got them to 9-7, and seven, their first back-to-back winning season. So uh, they're going to have to hold him out with wild horses if he thinks he can get out there and play and help the team, he's going to try to do it. Yeah, not surprising. What kind of years he had? 
Um, uh, the numbers look great, John. They're deceiving, though, because the Falcons have been behind by so much in these games. You know, uh, uh, last week's game was the fifth game. They had a double-digit deficit at halftime. So, yeah, they had to throw the ball, and uh, we're, we're able to do it for the most part except against Tennessee and against the Rams. So he's been able to put up, um, you know, I think he had 17 touchdown passes going into the Rams game, which was tops in the league. Uh, but he's also had some untimely interceptions in the red zone that have been costly. And even when they did get back into games, uh, say Arizona, they got it tied up 27-27, they get the ball back, and then they, it's a three and out because they can't block the edges on the third and ten. So, um, you know, it's been a, a fantasy football year for him where his numbers look great, but his production when they need him to come through uh, hasn't been there. Talk about the Mohamed Sanu trade. Were you surprised by that? And what will they do now to fill in for Sanu? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't surprised. We heard whispers of it. Uh, uh, he wasn't going to be back next year. They'd already drafted his replacement, Calvin Ridley. So they got a, a good deal in getting a second-round pick for Mohamed, who was essentially a possession receiver, helped to move the chains on third down, played a little wildcat quarterback. Uh, through an occasional pass. You know, a nice piece, but nothing you have to have. So uh, to get a second round for that uh, was great, a great uh, move by the Falcons, even though it's going to be a late second round from uh, coming from New England. Now that clears the way for Calvin Ridley to, you know, be the best Calvin Ridley he's going to be here in his second year. He had 10 touchdown passes his first year and uh, tracked his numbers, tracked on the Marvin Harrison plane. I'm not calling him that, but – Maybe if he can uh, continue to improve over his career, he can get close to that. Uh, and also the development of tight end Austin Hooper, who's doing a great job this year, getting his fantasy numbers too. Uh, you know, he, he can be the third down guy, a dependable person who can spring free and sit down in zones for Matt Ryan or maybe Matt Shaw this week to, to keep the passing game moving. And then finally, uh, figuring that they're going to keep Vic Beasley for this week, if they trade him by Tuesday, and you know, figuring teams that are going to be looking for pass rush, uh, what do you think they can get in value for him? Uh, I'm thinking a fourth would be really good, a fourth or a fifth, a mid-round pick, because he just has uh, fallen off the face of the earth since that 15.5 sack season. Uh, they knew he had to get a counter move to go with his speed rushes, uh, three coaches haven't been able to get that through to him, uh, Brian Cox, Brian Young, and now Jess Simpson. Then Coach Quinn wanted to work with him this offseason uh, with it, and Vic decided he didn't need that work, so he didn't come into the offseason. So uh, people are questioning whether he loves football and so forth. So, uh, And then just he's called a uh, speed rusher with no power. So that, that probably doesn't get you too much, and uh, a lot of people thought he was overdrafted in the first place. So, I don't think they'll get much, if anything. They may be stuck with Vic Beasley. Yeah, I guess that's <clears throat> one in six. Is, it's all headed in that direction. It's been an incredibly bad year, but it's incredibly good talking to you, Daryl Ledbetter, on Schooled with the Professor. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate uh, your time, and thanks for having me. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.